I'm James Brian Smith. Welcome to the Things Above podcast. You're listening to episode 79. Well, here we begin with season three. And if you're a first time listener or new to the podcast in some way, this is a podcast for what we call mind discipleship. Greg Boyd said, it's the most important kind of discipleship. And I totally loved that when Greg said it because, well, that's why we do this podcast. Setting our minds on things above is not easy. I know it's not for me. And so I probably selfishly do this podcast for me because it uh, allows me to set my mind on some truth, some idea, some reality that uh, is just so encouraging and life-giving. And that's what we try to do in each episode, to give you a thought that you can dwell upon so that your heart will be warmed and maybe even put a smile on your face. Today's thought from above is this. We are indebted to hope. When my daughter Hope was around six, my father-in-law, Emil Johnson, who's her grandfather, informed us that he and my mother-in-law, Penny, had together established a, a college fund for Hope. It's a 529 account. And he had put in some money so that it would, over time, grow as investments do, and then add to that so that she would one day uh, have enough money to help pay for her college. And my father-in-law said this, and I just loved this statement that he made. He said, her grandmother and I would love to invest in Hope's future. So, last year, when it came time for Hope to go to college, it was a huge blessing to know that her room and board and books were all paid for. And that's going to be the case for the next four years of college. Hallelujah and amen. So, keep that little story in mind as I share a little bit from one of my favorite passages in all of the Bible, and that is Romans 8. I remember when Dallas Willard uh, encouraged me to memorize passages of Scripture, and Dallas explained that memorizing passages is actually more important than memorizing verses because you take on a whole way of thinking, uh, a whole way of understanding, a larger system of ideas, and that's really important, certainly, for putting our minds on things above. So Romans 8's been important to me, but there's a, there's a verse in verse 12 that I thought a lot about because it's a, it's a strange verse, and it's this. It's Romans 8, 12. So then, brothers and sisters, we are debtors. Now, if you just read that verse by itself, it raises a whole bunch of questions like, why are we debtors, and to whom are we in debt, and what was it that we were given that makes us in debt, and what does this matter? I mean, you know, Paul doesn't ever say anything just for fluff, like it doesn't matter. Everything that he says is so deliberate and important. So when he says, so then, brothers and sisters, we are debtors, it makes me stop and go, okay, what does he mean by that? So what I want to do is kind of unpack these ideas, these, these questions that would come up when you're ask, looking at a verse like that, saying, well, wait a minute, why are we debtors? In what sense are we in debt? What does this matter? And I want to look at Romans 8 itself uh, because it is just so rich. It is full of thoughts from above. So let's just begin with what Paul says right away. So then, brothers and sisters, we are debtors. Who's the we? Well, when, when Paul uses the word we, he's referring to the Christians at Rome. 
Now, what we know is that there were a group of Christians, and we know that there were Jewish and Gentile converts that gathered together right there at the center of the Roman Empire, right right in Rome. And, and this community of people um, are the people to whom Paul's writing the letter. So what can we assume about the we? Well, the we is they're people who have pledged allegiance to Jesus as their Lord. And when you do that, that changes everything. That means that these people are people who are born of the Spirit or born from above, or to use the language in the 70s, born again. Um, Or we like to say they're people in whom Christ dwells and delights, people who now live in the strong and unshakable kingdom. So that's who the we is referring to. And we also know this. This was a community of people who faced persecution and suffering. We know that. I mean, Paul eventually himself would go to Rome, and that's where he would be put on trial and ultimately executed. And many Christians would lose their lives as martyrs in that very city. So that's what we know. They're Christ followers who have been born from above, living a kingdom life, and also facing persecution. So that's what it's all about, right? That's who the the we is. But then Paul says that they are all debtors. Now, when you are told that you're a debtor, that's usually not a good thing. It's, uh, in fact, we, we run from debt, right? Neither a borrower nor a lender be, said Ben Franklin. Uh, you know, debt means that you owe somebody. And so it's, it's normally something you would never think as good news. But for Paul, it is actually very good news. In order to understand that, I'm going to have to explain a little bit about what he's thinking here. So how can being indebted be a good thing? Well, it all depends on the person to whom you are indebted. And that answers one of the big questions of this passage is, well, well, to whom are we indebted? And the answer is the Holy Spirit. Because this whole section in Romans 8 is all about the Spirit. The Spirit gets mentioned many, many times in this section. But let me just say this. I've talked on this podcast about the importance of the Trinity. The Trinity isn't just a big, fancy theological word. The Trinity is at the heart of our faith. And the way I like to put it is this. God in Christ, through the Spirit, does this work. God in Christ, through the Spirit. Do you hear the Trinity within that? It's God the Father in Christ, through the Spirit. Because the Trinity always acts in accord. There's no separation within the Trinity. There's complete unity within it. And so when Paul says that we are indebted to the Spirit, he's really referring to the action of the Trinity as a, as a unit, right? And this is really, really important because what the Holy Spirit does is draws us into what Dallas Willard liked to call immersion in Trinitarian reality. Immersion in Trinitarian reality, that's a really important phrase. The reason that idea of immersion into Trinitarian reality is important is because it means that as we step into our allegiance to Jesus as Christ followers, we are now a part of this whole new family, this whole new way of existing. And that's profound. 
That's an, that's an amazing thing. But the basic question is, you know, why is it that we're debtors? Well, we're debtors because something has been given on our behalf, and that's going to shape our entire lives. So we're indebted to the Spirit, because Paul says in Romans 8.14, all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. So we are indebted to the Spirit, and that's what I've been saying, God in Christ through the Spirit has led us into this new reality. Now, what is it that we've been given? What is it that makes us in debt? Why why does Paul say, so then, brothers and sisters, you are debtors? Well, let's look at 8, 15 through 17 in Romans. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you received a spirit of adoption. When we cry, Abba, Father, it's that very spirit bearing witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. Now, that may not be that easy to understand right away, but as I am wont to do, I'm going to dig a little deeper and unpack it. What does that mean? What Paul's saying is we, as Christ followers, immersed in Trinitarian reality, are no longer slaves to fear. That's exactly what he's saying. We are not any longer in a position where we have to be afraid. And you may be saying, well, Jim, it's a scary world. Well, I I get that, but we live in a world where God is the ultimate ruler. God gets the last word on everything. That's why Paul can say something so boldly, as we are no longer slaves to fear. But he's also saying that we, by the power of the Spirit, the Spirit bearing witness with our spirit, we also discover that we are children of God. Children of God. Now, that means that we have been adopted into the family of God. And that's a beautiful image. Paul likes that image of adoption, that a person who is, if you will, orphaned, like they don't have a family, they're adopted into a family. And when they do so, they're now the children of this family. Their identity changes. And all the the rights and privileges that comes with being a child within that family, that that family's going to take care of them, that their identity has been shaped and changed, that this is now who I am. It's a beautiful thing when, for example, an adopted child grows and takes on the name of that family. When they say, this is, this is my name, I'm, this is my family. And as Christ followers, we are adopted into this family of God, this Trinitarian reality, and that's the Spirit bearing witness with my spirit. This is who I am. I'm a child of God. And then also, he says, we are heirs. Heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. What does heirs mean? Well, we know that as a child, you are entitled to an inheritance. That's the way it works. When, when your parents pass on, you are given this inheritance. Being an heir, then, is about the future. It means that this is what the future looks like. So, for example, in, in the royal family, right, when Queen Elizabeth passes on, 
then Prince Charles will become the king. And when he passes on, then William will become the king because they're heirs of that throne. And so that's what awaits them. They're not there now, but they, they know that's the future. And so when Paul says we're joint heirs with Christ, he's saying just as Jesus is the beloved son in whom God is well pleased, we're also brothers with Christ. We're in the family. And what does that mean? That means our future has this promised inheritance, which is glorious. It's incredible. And that's what hope is. I've defined hope on this podcast as using Brother Willard's great definition. Hope is certainty in a good future. It's not wishful thinking. It's certainty in a good future. So what were we given that makes us in debt? Adoption into the family of God. I am a child of God. A life without fear. No longer a slave to that and a promised future inheritance, which is hope. That's what has been given to us. That's our debt, if you will. So, okay, Jim, this sounds nice, but does this change anything? How does this change how we live? Well, Paul now turns his focus onto something in this same passage, in the very next verse, into something you may not see coming. And this is what he writes in Romans 8, 17. If we suffer with him, it's so that we will also be glorified with him. And I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory about to be revealed to us. So, Paul turns it right to that I mentioned at the beginning about who are these people, the we, this church in Rome, these Christ followers. They're people who knew about suffering. So Paul tells them, you guys are in debt because you're in the family of God. Your future's incredible, and you, you can count on this, this new reality, your identity, and you don't have to be afraid of anything. But if we suffer with him, it's because we're going to be glorified. So what does that mean? That means that our suffering as Christians is different. And I'm going to jump back in Romans, back to chapter 5, verses 3 through 5, where Paul writes these compelling words. We also boast in our sufferings. Let me stop there for a second because you go, okay, just like Paul, you said being in debt was great. How are you boasting in your sufferings? Okay, well, let's start that again. We also boast in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. There's the Spirit again that has been given to us, given to us. The Spirit has been given to us. And because we're in that reality, in this new debt that I've been talking about, now we can boast in sufferings. How crazy is that? Boast in it and say, no, yeah, I, that's happening. This, there's suffering that's happening, but you know what? It's producing endurance. And that endurance is producing character. And, and as I grow in that, that character is producing hope. So beautiful. You see, the work of God in Christ through the Spirit shapes how we face suffering because we face it with hope. And we are able to endure, and we know that that endurance shapes our character. Christians can face suffering in a new way, and we can learn how to, I like to put it this way, we can learn how to be loving in the midst of deprivation. 
back in um, March, and I talked about this at the end of season two, when I looked out at my peach trees and the, the, the pink blossoms on the peach tree, and I talked about beauty and how it just, it, it drew me in, and that's what beauty does. And it was pointing to some greater reality. But I was thinking about this, folks, that there was a big frost that happened over a couple, two or three days in March, late March and April. And what that did was it actually killed all of those blossoms. So this year, for my fruit trees in my backyard, I got a peach, an apple, and a pear. There's no fruit. Because of that frost, that fruit is not going to happen. I'm sure you're not missing the point of this story because what happened to us, at least we felt it really happening in, in this country in, in March, was COVID-19. And what happened then put us into a season that is in some ways fruitless, right? That we're discovering how to live with a kind of deprivation. So when I look out at my fruit trees, my barren fruit trees, I look at them and say, wow, that's so sad. It's a bummer. But you know what? Right next to my trees are these incredible roses. And the roses have some thorns. And that's also a metaphor as well, that there's beauty and there's suffering, there's deprivation. But I also know that this is going to end. I, 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 that's a part of hope. I know that there will come a day when our lives will be different again. And if history serves right, and it usually does, there have been years when I've had no fruit before. That happened a few years back. And then the very next year, it was a bumper crop. And that's, that's the reality. So I look at the fruit trees now, I say, yeah, there's none now. But think about the future. Think about what's ahead. Daniel Harrell wrote these words. He said, biblical hope is not especially optimistic, but rather the fruit of suffering, perseverance, and character. Well, that's straight out of Romans 5, isn't it? Biblical hope, it isn't just sort of pie in the sky wishing. It's saying, no, I, I put my confidence in something else, and therefore I can endure this kind of suffering, and I can persevere, and character happens. And that's, that's the reality in which I now live. So, this changes how we live. That's what Paul's saying. You're indebted. You're in debt, brothers and sisters. Amen. You're going, wait, really? No, it's wonderful debt. Because as Stephen D. Paulson said, spirit debt is not what must be repaid, but what is paid to you. Spirit debt is not what must be repaid, but what is paid to you. See, God's never going to go, hey, when are you going to pay this back by being more faithful or keeping the law or going to church or reading? Your... Trinity's not interested in that. The Trinity is not interested in you trying to pay this back. That's what grace is all about. It's gift. And so these things have been done for God in Christ through the Spirit, through the work of the incarnation, life, death, resurrection, descension, and ascension of Jesus. All those acts were to draw us into the family of God. And now the Spirit comes and bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. We're no longer slaves to fear. And we have this promised future, this hope. We're indebted to this hope. So back to where I started with my in-laws. Long before Hope went to college, they had already started saving for her education. So when the day came for them to 
pay for her room and board and so forth, they did so gladly. And I remember, I remember being over in what we'd now call the, the old word was the bursar's office. We're paying the bills and so forth and call him up and he's like, this is great. I've got, it's been there waiting. Just tell me what the amount, the check's on its way. And it was just so freeing and encouraging. And I, I, I love that, right? And, and that's, that's how Paul ends this section of thought in Romans 8, verses 24 and 25. For in hope we were saved. In hope we were saved. I mean, that's such a beautiful image. And remember what, what my father-in-law said to me, that, that lovely turn of phrase, when he said, we would love to invest in hope's future. Boom, that's that kind of epiphany where you just go, wow, that's exactly what God in Christ has done for each of us. The Spirit has made it, this all a reality, drawn us into this new way of living. We don't have to pay it. It's a gift. I would encourage you to ask the Spirit through prayer. Um, just say, Holy Spirit, help me just more fully understand this gift that you've given to me in Christ. Take some time to reflect on what it means to be adopted into the family of God or to live a life without fear or to really understand your promised future inheritance, the hope that you have, and give thanks to God for that. Or maybe this might be a time that you want to reflect more on this season, this season of, of suffering through the pandemic, and how has that impacted you? What endurance have you uh, developed? How has it shaped your character? How has it given you a chance to really lean back and discover hope? that kind of hope that only exists in, in the darkness. Well, I want to close with, well, Paul's words, because I can't beat Paul's words. This, this is Paul's great benediction in Romans 15, when he said, May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another, in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, I hope you'll join me for our next episode. Until then, you can find me on Twitter and Facebook at James Brian Smith. And you can learn more about this podcast at ApprenticeInstitute.org. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend. And you can also subscribe, which means you'll get them automatically each week. My hope, as always, is that one day if you're asked, hey, what's on your mind? Your answer will be, things above. <laughs>